Today's show is brought to you by Of A Kind, an online shop for emerging design. For more information, visit ofakind.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. For the past few weeks, I've been sharing my favorite tricks, tips, and tools for both work and life productivity, from lessons I wished I'd learned before starting a business to the mobile apps that make my life easier. I'm sharing everything I've learned in the past 10 years of running a business and hoping to start a discussion about all of these topics and how they affect our lives. Today's show is focusing on healthy habits of successful business owners. Whether you're an artist, designer, shop owner, or blogger, or any other type of business owner, you know how important it is to have healthy habits for not just your personal life, but your professional life too. It's so easy to talk about them and know what to do, sort of like how we all know we should exercise and eat more green things, but a lot of us rarely take the time to put these into effect. I've been reading more and more blog posts lately across the web and in various niches that openly and candidly discuss the struggle to create a healthy and balanced work life. And I've read more articles and books than I can even remember about this topic. And today I want to share the 10 most trusted tips and tricks that I've noticed work not just for me, but for other business owners who are taking this issue online and taking it to heart. So whether you're opening your first business or are about to celebrate your business's 20-year reunion, these are the sorts of reminders and lessons that are valuable to hear and remember at any time. So let's dive in. Tip number one is to give yourself a variety of work styles and options. No matter what you do, keeping things fresh and inspiring will always be a challenge. Even the most exciting and passion-filled project can start to fall into a rut after a few years or even a few months. So making sure that you vary your work structure and type is crucial. Here's how to do it. The first tip I always give people is collaboration. And never more than right now has this been a more applicable tip because the way that we're sharing brands and viewers and readers on the internet is really all about teaming up with people and sharing audiences and giving content to people who are interested in it. So whether or not you're collaborating all the time or that's just something that you're trying for the first time, give yourself a little change up and work with somebody else. It doesn't have to be somebody in your own niche. It could be somebody in a different niche. But collaborating is one of the best ways to sort of shake up your head a little bit and make things more fun and inspiring. Now, in terms of working in different like styles and options, there are a couple different ways you can view work. You can do work in person. You can do work online. You can do work one-to-one, meaning you're talking directly to somebody you're working with, or one-to-many, which is how many of us operate, whether you're running a blog or you're just working on Instagram. You're the one voice sharing something to a lot of people. Then you can also share things in the form of many-to-many, meaning you're working with a group of people, sharing information with a group of people. I find most bloggers primarily work online and one-to-many, and they're really missing out on the chance to work one-to-one with people and the chance to work with a team of people talking to a larger group. Varying things and really finding a way to work all these different types of communication into your business is a great way to keep yourself excited about what you do. I've been blogging for 10 years now, and I know that no matter how much I love my job, and I love my job, 
it's really hard to stay inspired after a few years. You get in ruts or maybe you run into a spot where things aren't doing as well as you want them to. And you just need to shake things up a little bit. And if you can sort of break out of the mold of always working in the format of one person talking to a lot of people and really vary it up, the more likely you are to have a sort of an excited, uh, enlightened moment where you learn something new, you get excited about something or try a new project. So really vary those things up. The second tip is to build and grow a trusted support system. No man or woman is an island, and it's close to impossible to run a healthy business without support and feedback that you can trust and actually act upon. The first way to do this is to kind of make a list of big time inspirations. These are people or businesses or even just places and ideas that inspire you on a huge level. They may not be people that you ever end up talking to or getting to meet, but people who represent something aspirational and something that you really admire. For me, this would be somebody like uh, Rachel Maddow or Ina Garten, somebody who I think has a really strong, clear voice or vision that I most likely will never have any interaction with. But it doesn't matter. Those people inspire me by their dedication to their craft and what they do. And that's all I need from them. I need them to sort of be this bigger on a pedestal representation of something that I aim for. And as important as it is to have those people, it's also really important to have realistic mentors and people that you can use as support systems. These are people that you admire. Maybe they've been working a little bit longer than you have, or they've achieved a slightly higher level of success, but that you actually have a chance of maybe seeing a couple times a year, maybe taking them out to coffee or a meal and being able to talk to them about some of the things you're dealing with or things that are going on in your industry. And the lowest level of support system, the one that's sort of the most attainable and the most realistic is having a group of support people who are colleagues or her equals, people who've been doing what you're doing for about the same amount of time, people who are sort of at the same level, whether they're just starting out or in the first couple years of their business. These are the people who are most likely to have a daily influence and support for you as a business. And having all those three levels of a support system are really crucial, primarily because that most realistic one, the colleagues and the equals, people doing what you do sort of on the same level, those are the people you need to set up regular meetings with. And those can be email chats, those can be like Google Plus chats, they can be Skype sessions, whatever it is, these are the people you need to talk to on a regular basis. Because no matter how successful you are, or how great your ideas are, if you're not running them by anybody and you're not getting input or you're not getting somebody else's opinion, you're really missing a chance to sort of open your mind up a bit and open your business up a bit. The last thing to remember um, in terms of building a trusted support system is to be thankful and show appreciation. Um, Two shows ago when Julia Trishan was on, we were talking about um, the importance of just a simple thank you and how how big that can be to people. And I think it's something that talks about a lot online right now is sort of the right way to approach somebody to sort of take take them out to coffee and pick their brain, so to speak. Um, so if, you're, if you've got these people that you're relying on, that you're meeting up with, even if it's just online, take the time to really say thank you. And if you have a way you can help them or show your appreciation that's more tangible, please, please do that. It's the best way to sort of keep these people on your good side and keep them open to the idea of continually checking in with you and sharing advice. So just be sure to say thank you. The next tip is time off is not a luxury. It is a necessity. The time of glorifying workaholics has really got to come to an end. When you spend 100% of your time focusing on advancing and growing your business, you're only putting 0% of your time into nurturing and growing your personal life. Imagine any other scenario where you would use that number. I know a number of friends who readily admit that they spend at least 70% of their day on work. Imagine cooking a meal on a stove. If you spent 70% of your time away from the kitchen working on something else, how do you think that meal would end up? Most likely, it would be burnt and unsatisfactory. 
your personal life and well-being left alone for 70% of the day end up the exact same way. Time off is the only thing that allows you to rest and nurture the other part of your life that is actively changing and in need of your attention and support. Here's how to work on that sense of balance. The first is to nurture your opposite. This is an idea that Amy Azarito, who I work with at Design Sponge, is constantly drilling home to us and is so important. And that's really to sort of look at the way you typically work and use your brain. How is your day broken up? Are you someone who sits in front of a laptop for 10 hours a day? Then you need to do the opposite of that, at least in some way, once a day. So if you're only using your mind and sitting in front of a computer, do something that gets you outside, that uses your hands or gets you physically moving around. That's really, really important to do sort of shakes you up and makes you feel a bit more well-rounded and if you're somebody who does work with their hands all day and is doing something sort of outdoors and very physical give your chance to sort of embrace your brain for a bit challenge your mind find an activity that does that and really embrace the opposite it really gives you a chance to be a more well-rounded person Uh, the second is to build in paid inspiration days and by paid i mean you aren't considering this a day off from work you're considering this a very necessary part of your work um, for us at the site, we try to do this once a month and in really, really good months, we try to do this every other week. It's where you take a day and you do something that you know will inspire you for work, whether that's a trip to a museum or a trip to a farm or just a day where you're visiting another business to see how they work and see how they run their office. Getting outside of what you do every day and seeing how somebody else does something in order to inspire you is incredibly crucial and really as valuable to your business as a day in front of the computer is. Uh, The last way to really kind of make sure that you're taking care of your time off requirements is to discover your best, happiest, and most efficient working style and then actually do it. There was a fantastic article in Fast Company, which I think I say that phrase like 10 times a week. Fast Company really is just on it when it comes to great business articles. Um, They wrote an article on why your office is the worst place for work. And I could throw a billion statistics at you, but the bottom line is that most people when they're at their office actually aren't as efficient as they are when they're working in the place that's best for them. I know personally, I am way more efficient when I'm working at home than I am at an office. So the biggest thing you can do is to find the place you're happiest and most efficient working and really focus on that and don't feel bad about it. I think there's a lot of pressure for brands to have like big fancy offices or to have a very, you know, popular way of working. But if that's not the way that works for you, don't feel bad about it. Embrace the thing that's healthiest and happiest for you and do that because the more time you spend working at your highest capacity and most efficient self, the more time you have off to take care of yourself or do things that really enrich and inspire your life. The fourth step is to go back to the well, meaning stay inspired and remember why you love what you do. It's so easy to forget the basic reason that started your business. And I think a lot of times, even if you're only a few months in, you've hit some hurdles, you've hit some difficulties or some challenges in your business. And the first thing you do is kind of put your head in your hands and think, "Ugh, what did I do? Like, am I doing the wrong thing? And you're not feeling that initial inspiration or passion. So I think the first thing you should do when you're hitting that place in your business and feeling overwhelmed is to stop and sit down. And in my version of this, you write a brief manifesto. And this isn't something that needs to be super official. It doesn't need to be long, but it's your mission statement and sit down and really remember and rewrite the reasons you're doing what you're doing, whether or not you are trying to start a band or trying to start a restaurant or trying to start an online magazine, whatever it is, sit down and write down the reasons you're doing it again. 
going back to that original source of inspiration is so crucial. And it's something you might have to do once a week. You might have to do it once a day just to get through tough parts. But it's an incredibly important step because it's something that really helps you remember the reason you decided to take a risk and do something that you really, really love. Um, And I think one of the best ways to do this sometimes if you've been working for a long time is to go back and look at the really old things you've done, whether it's your very first collection of pottery you produced or the very first post you wrote on a blog. Look at that. Look back at that and really think about the ways things have changed, how you've grown, what you've accomplished, or just the way you really stayed committed to a certain sense of quality and craft in what you do. Going back and remembering the things that you're really proud of and how far you've come is a great way to really stay inspired and be healthy and balanced with what you do. Tip number five is to never ignore your feelings, to feel them and to learn from them. I think this is something that can sometimes get pushed a little bit into an overly feeling category, but I think if you can keep this in check, it's an incredibly important step to staying healthy and balanced. Basically, this means to cut yourself a little bit of slack and give yourself a break because no matter what business you're doing and how successful it is, there are always going to be good days and there are going to be bad days. And I think a lot of business people think if they need to be positive and productive and successful, they have to only kind of look on the bright side all the time. But every now and then you're going to have a crappy day and you might have a whole string of crappy days in a row. And that's happened to all of us. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with letting you feel those days. What's wrong is letting that stop you. Everybody has a crappy time. You need to sit down, feel what you're feeling. And I find the best thing to do is talk this out with somebody else and really identify what's bumming you out the most. Because let's say you're bummed out about a collection not selling. Is it really about feeling like that collection was so strong and you don't understand why it's clicking? Is it a bigger sense of maybe you're not pushing yourself as hard as you could as an artist? Or is it just about feeling like you're not engaging with your community or being as successful within your community? I find really boiling it down to the essence of what's upsetting you is the best way to get past that feeling and sort of create an action plan to get past it. Because if you ignore feelings, you're really ignoring sort of your core connection to your business and the reason that you're doing what you're doing. So don't let yourself ignore upset feelings, feelings of frustration, or just bad days. Let yourself feel the feelings, write it down, and then use those thoughts to create a plan to push through it. I think being able to push through those feelings is one of the biggest hallmarks of somebody who's a healthy and balanced business owner. Now, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, I'm going to give you 6 through 10 for the tips for being a healthy business owner. Interested in emerging design? Check out Of A Kind, a site that sells the pieces and tells the stories of up-and-coming makers. The site has featured over 200 designers and offers limited edition pieces you can't find anywhere else, along with the studio tours, travel guides, even recipes from the designers. To find out more, head to ofakind.com and sign up for the site's newsletter. Hey, 
Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonnie, and today we're talking about the top 10 healthy habits for successful business owners. Before the break, I was talking about getting in touch with your feelings and staying inspired, but I want to talk about something that's a bit more outward for the rest of this show. Um, tip number six is to be inspired by your competition, but not to live by them. Basically, this is sort of a head in the sand ostrich situation. I, for the probably the last seven years, operate under the business strategy of really keeping your head down and working, meaning never watching the competition, never worrying about what anybody else was doing. And while a little bit of that was good, a lot of that meant I was missing out on what was happening around me and what the audience around me was interested in. For example, I made the massive mistake of really not finding a way to make Pinterest something that worked for our brand. I got hung up on a bunch of the sort of ethical concerns I had about it and the way it was transforming the community. And instead of embracing it and finding it a way to make our own and use it in a way that felt ethical to us, I just kind of put my head in the sand and said, never mind, I don't care if everybody else is doing it, I'm just going to do what we do well. And then we missed a huge chunk of people that moved that direction. And a lot of times with social media and new technology, if you're not an early adapter, it's incredibly difficult and almost impossible to catch up to the place where you wish you had been. So I think one of the best ways to sort of avoid that pitfall, but also really remain in touch and in healthy balance with what's happening in your work life is to actually pay attention to the people who are doing what you're doing. And I think sometimes the word competition gets such a negative connotation, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have competition. I think it's wonderful. I think it's what keeps you inspired. I think it's great to have people who challenge you to be better in your business. And it gives you a chance to look up to the people that you're working with because it's a terrible thing to work in an industry or a niche where you feel like nobody's doing better than you or nobody's being inspiring or nobody's challenging you to create better work. Having something to look up to is incredibly important. So really keep an eye on it. You don't need to do exactly what everybody else does. But if you notice sort of a groundswell happening on other people's sites or in other people's businesses or in other people's stores, pay attention to that. And just like getting in touch with your feelings, you need to sort of boil that trend down and that movement down and figure out what that audience is doing. What are they looking for and how are they moving? And then find a way to move your own brand and your own business in that direction while staying true to yourself. And that might not happen overnight, but it's something that's important to do. And it sort of prevents you from having huge business and life freakouts when you realize you're kind of behind on something. So really keep your head up and stay alert, but try not to be too driven by doing things exactly the way that everybody else is doing them. Tip number seven is to always be learning. If you stop moving as a business and as a person, you're essentially going backwards in today's world. And the reason that's true is because things are constantly shifting. I kept last year trying to find a way to really encapsulate the changes that had happened to the online world, but there's no way to do it because by the time you've sat down to describe it, it's already changed again and things are just constantly shifting. And so being able to kind of have a nimble, lightweight brand in some way is the best way to stay current because you're always sort of keeping your head up, looking at the changes and finding ways to adapt to it. And I find the best way to deal with this so it's not overwhelming and so you kind of stay balanced and calm is to constantly be learning new things. There are a number of ways you can do that. The first is to just pay attention to what's happening in your niche. The second is to pay attention to what's happening outside of your niche. If you're somebody who's working in design, there's no reason you shouldn't be reading food blogs or music blogs or architecture blogs or anything else that applies to lifestyle in general, because those are the same people who are reading your site. They're just getting their other interests handled by other websites. So if you're somebody who's not paying attention, you're missing out on a chance to learn about something new. Um, I find the best way to sort of be learning is to actually be taking classes 
and reading. Um, I have a hard time with reading like non or with reading fiction and things that I think are really about sort of escaping because my feel like my brain is never in that place. But my brain is always in the place to be learning something that seems really applicable to what I do in my daily life. So I'm always reading business articles. I'm always reading articles about productivity and creativity and things that sort of get me thinking in a different way. And I find the best way to sort of stay calm as a business owner is to constantly flood yourself with advice and information that you trust. And this doesn't mean to read every bit of advice that exists on the internet, but to find a place that really relates to you and that clicks for you and to always be challenging yourself. And Amy, who I work with, is a great example of somebody who's challenging herself, not only in a work capacity, but in a personal capacity. And I think the more that you can constantly expand your mind and learn new skills and new tricks even, um, is a, it's just the best way to stay relevant as a business person and as an employee. Amy has been teaching um, or been learning Spanish lessons for the last couple months. And I think it's been so exciting to see how that's not only changed the way she is as a person, but how it's changed how she is at work, because it's given her access and exposure to a different community of people that we weren't interacting with on a regular basis. And it's also given her inspiration to look into travel and sort of the crafts and design traditions of different countries that she's now had a bit more interaction with. So the more that you can constantly be learning and expanding your skills, the better you are to be a better business owner, to be a better employee. And it also helps you come up with different ideas and different content and set yourself apart. And that's a crucial, crucial part of having a long-term successful business. Tip number eight, and this is one that I think everybody kind of brushes off, but is so important, is to ask for help and actually accept it. There's no way you're going to be a balanced person or a business owner if you don't take a break every now and then realize and recognize the things that are not your strong points and actually ask someone for help. That can be something as simple as asking for sort of someone to listen to you from your support group or actually hiring someone to do something for you. I realized years ago after making too many tax mistakes to even count that I was not the best person to handle the taxes in the business end of my business. So we hired a bookkeeper and I hired a tax person. And as much as it was frustrating to have to put income I'd rather give to myself or to our team or for some sort of larger team cause to give that to somebody who only handled taxes, it was such a load off my mind to know that that was being handled in a way that I could trust and relax about. And even if you think you're not allotting brain space to worrying about things like that, you are. And if you're a business owner, every inch of your brain space needs to be something that's being used efficiently and appropriately. Because the more that you have free, the more time you can just relax. So I think one of the best things to do is set achievable goals for your business, even if it's on a daily or weekly basis. The more you realize that you're getting through some of these tasks and not getting through others, you can sort of pull out the things you're having a hard time getting through or the things that you just constantly avoid and delay. And look at what those are. What do they represent? Are they things that could be handled by a bookkeeper? Are they things that could be handled by an intern or maybe an employee or just getting advice from somebody else? Do not feel bad about crossing those off your list and asking for help from someone else. The sooner you ask for help, the sooner you have a little bit more room in your head to think about more important things and do what you do best at your company. Tip number nine is simple. Sleep. In all capital letters, sleep, sleep, sleep. Um, I think this is something that everyone knows they should do and no one 
ever does. I feel like this goes back to that mentality of people really praising people who never sleep and work all the time. It's terrible for your business. Amy sent me an article the other day, I believe also at Fast Company, about um, the sort of devastating effects of not sleeping and how that affects the mindset you have as a business owner and as a person. What happens is this sort of scarcity mindset. When you're not sleeping, you don't have enough time, you feel stressed out, and you're making decisions based on a feeling of like, chaos and panic and rushed decisions and you never make good decisions when you're rushed like that i think a lot of people feel confident to say like oh i make great decisions on my feet that's completely different than making a rushed decision because if you're making decisions on your feet while your brain is in its optimal place and you're feeling rested and ready to work then yeah you can make great decisions on the go and move quickly and trust your gut but if you're tired your brain actually isn't working at its best and you're not working efficiently and the decisions you're making are informed by a sense of being behind on something and needing to move quickly and i think so many times people just value an extra hour of work over an hour of sleep and if you really think about it as sort of a three to one situation which most articles and studies on sleep sort of tell you is true that every hour of sleep you're getting is giving you so much more power to make better faster smarter and more efficient decisions and i think the sooner we can put a financial value on the idea of sleeping the sooner people will embrace it it's an incredibly important thing to do so if you're not sleeping a regular at least seven hours a night you have got to find a way to make that work and i know there are lots of schools of thoughts about only sleeping for four hours a night and blah 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 but i find for most people that does not work you have got to sleep in order to make the best decisions for yourself The very last tip is something that comes from David Allen, who's sort of the guru behind the idea of getting getting things done, which is a huge, huge movement, not only for personal, but also for workplace productivity. I'm not somebody who usually gets behind like a guru and a big, huge school of thought, but I think that there are so many valuable things to pull from David Allen's school of thought. And I think the most important one, and then if you're hearing nothing else from this podcast, take this one. Do a brain dump at the end of every day. That sounds terrible. But what it actually means is something so important. It means at the end of every day, write down the notes, the thoughts and the to do list that are living in your head and let your brain relax and go to sleep. I'm sure all of you have had that moment where you're sitting in bed and you're thinking about the things you need to get done tomorrow, the note you need to send somebody an email that still needs to be replied to all of that. They're like tiny little things running around your brain, not letting you go to sleep. And the simple act of putting them down on paper is massive. Um, And there are so many ways to track this. There are really awesome apps like Todoist and um, any other one you can find. I, I personally really just love a simple text document on my phone or sort of an alert system to remind me to do things. But I think in general, dumping things into some sort of document, whether it's written and taped to your laptop or it's something that just lives in a sticky on your actual uh, laptop desktop, that sort of situation is completely fine for keeping track of things. But the bottom line is you have to empty your head at the end of every day. It's sort of like the idea of how you're not making efficient decisions when you don't sleep enough. You can't sleep enough if you're not letting your brain actually relax. And so I think people who do this are so much happier and more relaxed and can get into bed with a sense of, relaxed calmness because they know everything they need to do is written down. And some people have a hard time doing this without talking it out with someone else. And this is where if you go back to one of the earlier tips about having sort of a support system, it's incredibly crucial. If this isn't something you can do every day, but maybe you can do once a week, 
Maybe every week on Monday, you meet with your support system for coffee and each of you kind of talk out the things you need to do that week with your friends. It needs to only take two or three minutes. You can talk through your whole to-do list very quickly. And those people might point out things that you haven't realized or things you need to do, or they can just hold you accountable for it and help you support all the things you need to do for that week. Whatever way you do it, take the time to sit down and list out all of the things you need to do. I promise you that if you start doing this on a regular basis, you're going to find yourself feeling a lot more relaxed. And if nothing else, everything that I've said today is very much about finding a way to help you relax, calm down, take time off and give yourself a break as not only a business owner, but as a person. And the sooner you can do that, the better you're going to make decisions for your business and for your life. Because if I've learned one thing after 10 years of running a business, it's that I don't make a good decision and I don't make a smart gut decision if I'm not relaxed and calm. And I hope all of these tips will help you find your own sense of calm and your own sense of relaxation within your business. Next week, I'm going to take my very last show in this category of work and life hacks to share great tips from people that I admire in their businesses and the things that they think have set apart their business and let it be successful in the long term. So stay tuned for next week's show. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.